right, folks, welcome to another fun-filled episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoob I'm Elaine. And we are back with another review roundup. And per usual, we tried to stick to sticking to nothing, actually. Genres all over the place, artists big and small, artists that we are well familiar with, artists that we are not so familiar with. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun time. Um, our first artist, if you don't have your glasses on, you might think that we're going to talk about a new Radiohead album, but we're not. It's actually the debut album from The Smile, A Light for Attracting Attention. Uh, speaking of attracting attention, this cover really caught my eye. And yeah. I saw The yeah. Smile and I was like, oh, this this is kind of, I mean, that's kind of an interesting name um and then i saw that it was the side project of radiohead and by side project i mean it includes arguably the two most important members of radiohead in the (laughs) band um so it includes uh, tom york johnny greenwood and then sons of comets tom skinner yeah, uh, I know that's it's not not one of your favorite. I, they've grown on me a little bit. I still think that they're a little overrated, but um, I don't know. Uh, their music has grown on me. Uh, that said, I don't think you're going to hear much Sons of Kemet at play here. Uh, this is very much. I, I think it's very much in line. See, it's a little hard for me just because Radiohead has kind of dabbled in different you know shades and hues over the years. So. Mm. I, to me, this sounded like a you know, pretty safe, or you're know, pretty squarely in the Radiohead extended universe, so to speak, in terms of, of what genres are at play. It, it's overall, I would say, an artsy rock album. I think it had a little bit more punch. Like I think you know the more hmm. punchy, direct. Like there's some great, great bass lines on this. Uh, I think what was it the the second track, the exit. I want to say, um, but. It, it just is, is a really... Uh, the opposite, excuse me. I'm just checking my notes. Um, really nice bass line. There's some great percussion on this. There's some. There's just some really cool instrumentation. I, I mean, I loved the music on this. Um, and I guess I'll just... I'll dive into the, the cons just because I don't have that much more to say. Um, I almost wish Tom York wasn't a part of this. <laughs> not, not, not because like I don't think he. I mean, he sounds like Tom York, and I have no nothing against him. But I think his vocals really sealed the deal. That this felt just kind of felt like another Radiohead album, a very good one at that. But it just it was kind of hard to separate that for me. You know, I think there are other side projects that definitely just kind of thinking through my head. Uh, AFI, the uh, Davy Havoc and Jade Pudgett, the vocalist guitarist, respectively, uh, respectively. They have a side project called Black Audio that is basically a synth pop project. It doesn't sound anything like AFI. So even though David's you know, vocals sound the same, musically it sounds like a different project. To me, if, if you said this was the next Radiohead album, I, I don't think anyone would have thought yeah. any differently. And I mean, I think it's a little bit of an odd critique to make, but I just, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I'm kind of wondering why... the. I don't think it's overstating it to say Johnny Greenwood and Tom York are the two most, at least well-known members of Radiohead. No, so, I mean, they, they're like the people that make it happen, arguably. 
Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's just it's just a little odd that it's like, okay, so this is a side project, but it sounds a hell of a lot like your current band. It has two of you know the two most important members. I don't know. It just it was again feels like a little bit of a difficult or like an odd critique to make just because musically I I enjoyed this and Tom's vocals are as you know enjoy them as much as I always enjoy them. I don't know. I, I guess I'm curious what you think because it, it feels like an odd critique but that's where i kept landing where as i was listening to it more i'm just like i don't know man this just kind of feels like this just kind of feels like it should have been the next radiohead album and i'm not really sure why this warranted i guess that's it like i, I guess i don't understand why this deserved its own unique branding like it just i didn't feel like they really explored that much more that wouldn't make sense under the radiohead brand yeah no i, I i'm in i'm in total agreement uh on just every point you, you have to make honestly like uh when i heard that this was a thing i was really excited for it because yeah. you know i'm i'm always interested to see what you know tom york's up to and what, what anybody from radio is really up to um and you know to see them you know collaborating with just someone as like random as tom skinner like i don't know, I, I it's just not a pairing that i would imagine yeah um sure. you know and so like that th- that just sounded like like great to me you know on paper and then yeah it's just it's not even that this thing sounds like the next radiohead album it just sounds like a radiohead album like you know because like i I feel like at least radiohead's kind of like you know grown over the years and kind of like you know like like i I feel like none of their albums sound exactly the same i think they they each have like Mm -hmm. their own little nuances to them whereas like this just feels like kind of like the first half of radiohead's career Mm. kind of just like distilled into you know a little less than an hour's worth of music um and you know i i think there are some people who like that i mean it's it's clearly um it's clearly getting enough love that a lot of people agree that it's you know <laughs> it's worth their time mm. but I, i'm like yeah just i the, the music's fine it's just yeah it, it just does nothing for me because i'm like i i, I could just put on something that's just arguably better in in every way you know like and it isn't to say that the performances here are bad or that the production here is bad because i mean you know um nigel godrich is you know i'm pretty sure at the helm producing this thing and you know in terms of performances they're all really great i think sometimes tom skinner i i I, it seems like his contributions aren't always there Mm -hmm. but there are times like um uh, a hairdryer where like he really brings in like this beat that i like i is just so hypnotic um you know but but it's just like i in terms of like the overall music there's just nothing that's really adding and i think given sort of the way people are reacting to this as like this uh you know hard-edged political album you know, I, I want to kind of go on like a Marshall McLuhan rant kind of because, you know, you would think that <laughs> I, and like if you're so hard nosed about, you know, revolution or, you know, criticizing the you know status quo right now, you wouldn't make music that is the status quo. Like, right. Like, I mean, not not, not to be that person, but like it, it just feels like uh, it, it just feels so by the numbers. And, uh, and it's weird because it's not like it's not like neither Tom York or Johnny Greenwood have done that in their own solo careers. Like it feels like they're always kind of, you know, trying something new. 
uh, even in Radiohead too. And so it just it, it it just feels like such like a um, like a footnote in a way. And it, it's just like yeah, like I I just felt like I had nothing to say, you know, aside from that. I mean, like I really like when they bring out the synths. I really like those, like the um, sort of the the snippet kind of the synth snippet that kind of starts the album, starts the track the same. I really loved that. It gave off like this kind of creepy vibe. And then it kind of just went into like, you know, straight up Radiohead kind of again. And, um, you know, like there, there are some points where it's just like, you know, like um, Greenwood's uh, guitar lines on Thin Thing are really nice. I really love just like, I, I love when he's able to write a really nice guitar look. Um, you know, on Waving a White Flag, there are some great, like there's some great synth production on that you know it's like it isn't that there aren't sounds little bits to like it's just that it it just doesn't add up to something that bears repeating for me you know it, it like i i i listened to this thing once and i was like okay i that, that that's like i i know how i feel like i it wasn't like i needed to like kind of test the waters again and again like i had to do with uh, some of the other albums on uh i on on the docket today so yeah, no, a hundred percent, and I think this is a, a textbook example of you, you can't con- consume music in a vacuum. You know, I, th- I think if some random band released, uh, no, no, well, that's that's putting it a little negatively. If, if like a, a band that was not Radiohead released this album, I think we would, or at least speaking for me, I, I would definitely enjoy it more. And that might sound weird, but I just feel like when you go through the 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 hoopla of making a side project i think there's some expectation there justify it's kind of like when um travis barker and, and mark hoppus made plus 44 and tom DeLong made boxcar racer when you know blink 182 was having beef it's like this is literally just blink 182 without those respective like, <laughs> what, what do you what do you do and obviously there, there was turmoil at least that made a little bit more sense but like when you make a side project you want i don't know you're expecting something yeah, I mean, it's, a it's little like different. The, in the exact definition of it, it's like, you know, you expect it to be a little different. Like, yeah. you know, Code and Cambria, like, um, they had a side project called, like, the Prize Fighter Inferno that's supposed to be, like, you know, like, Folktronica-ish sort of stuff. And I'm like, yeah. that, that's, like, as far away from Code and Cambria as you can get. Yeah, you know? Well, you know, like, I have something worthwhile to say that doesn't fit under the, you know, the umbrella or the yeah. brand of my typical band. And I just feel like that's not... The case here and kind of to your point i think pitchfork's review was easily the best radiohead side project i'm like well i mean it, it just is a radiohead album like i don't i don't you know it's not you i mean know, to it's, it's not like there are that many radiohead side projects though yeah anyway. i was like first of all that's a short list second of all i mean it's you know tom york does his his electronic stuff you know greenwood obviously he's i don't know if you consider his soundtrack work a side project but obviously that's it's really of, good yeah I mean, it's a different beast I, but like johnny greenwood's soundtrack work got me into radiohead yeah, like, you know, I, I I feel like, yeah, just to your point, why why would I listen to this over any number of, you know, I, I can't think of a single Radiohead album I would I would put below, like even their early stuff. I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like this just feels like an odd. I don't know. There's just an odd choice, honestly. Yeah, I I, I think you know to kind of I, I guess as a last little bit. Uh, you know, to, to hop back on what you said earlier, I think if 
if another band had released this, I feel like people would just be like, oh yeah, these people are ripping off Radiohead, you know? Yeah, actually. And it would just kind of like be a done deal. Like, and unless it was like, you know, I I think the only thing that would, like, I I think if, you know, like I, I, I find like, I find this whole argument to be kind of specious reasoning. Um, like anyway, but if, if we're going to go down this avenue, you know, I, I feel like given the political nature of its lyrics, I feel like people might actually ignore its musical shortcomings enough to it like and, and actually like give it like positive feedback. Um, because I, I think that's almost what matters more in, in this case for some fucking reason. But um, yeah, yeah, I. I I guess just for me, it's just, you know, it's, it's far from bad, but it's, it's just like, it, it, it just feels like given, given the musicians involved, it, it just feels like kind of like a drop in the hat and it doesn't feel challenging at all. And, and just, and I mean that like for the listener and for the person making it, you know, and if they enjoy it, like that's, you know, that's good on them. But I mean, I, you know, my, my enjoyment definitely has a limit here yeah 100 percent. i'm yeah. totally totally on the same page on that one so off to a good start one for one <laughs> uh and we will see if we can keep that streak going uh maybe this will be an episode where our opinions go back and forth you know it swings uh. maybe you say like a pendulum speaking of pendulums uh heavy <laughs> pendulum the new album from cave in uh, not their first album in recent years, but probably their, I mean, their last album, Final Transmission, uh, which was not a final transmission for the band, but was a final transmission for their late bass player, Caleb Schofield, who unfortunately, actually he passed away, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to make that sound like a, like a fun fact, but uh, <laughs> he was driving through the, the tolls up here in New Hampshire in Bedford. And uh, had a really tragic car accident. Uh, the band did some, you know, kind of celebratory tours, and actually, the members of the original lineup of ISIS performed at one. Of the, I think you mentioned that last week. Yeah, that they performed at one of those shows. So they really did a, a nice job commemorating him. Um, the album final transmission included some, some some ideas, including the the opening intro, the title track. I think it was a voice memo he recorded, just a really haunting, like basically just him playing something on an acoustic guitar, um, just a melody, and it's just a very, very haunting to hear kind of one of his last thoughts put to tape. Um, and I really like that record. Definitely had was more on the uh, space rock, alternative rock, and a little, lot more melodic. Um, a little bit of an interesting, interesting, or it's interesting to approach because of that fact because with their last album in 2011 um white silence was definitely probably one of their most seamless marriages of kind of metal uh post-hardcore space it just it really blended all the styles they've explored over their career because obviously they started as kind of a metallic hardcore band in the the vein of converge they you know eventually released jupiter which is a considered like a space rock classic or at least in the scene um kind of shifted in and out of post-hardcore alternative metal 
So now we come to Heavy Pendulum, which is pretty pretty aptly named, I'd say. This is one of their heavier albums in quite some time, definitely since their earlier years. Uh, more so on the sludge and stoner end of the spectrum. Not so much, I don't think you're going to hear a lot of metalcore here. Definitely the big, uh, big credit, or at least, you know, big um, reason for that is that Nate Newton from Converge uh, is playing bass doing backup vocals. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I think uh, on that note, as a, a positive or at least a consideration, I thought, not to, I mean, like, I, there's really no way to approach this without, I'm not trying to discredit what Caleb did. Obviously, I think the way the final transmission was was pitched, I think it, it gave him a lot more credit as a songwriter than you might think from a bassist, uh, so to speak. I felt like Nate was much more present on this album, I thought the bass was much more prominent, or at least that kind of heavy, sludgy low end in general was much more prominent. Um, and yeah, throughout this record, definitely some melodic moments, definitely some some of the some of the ideas from Final Transmission, some of the the mid career melodic sensibilities are on display. Um, this one took a few listens. It definitely grew on me. Uh, I, I I do like it. I, I don't like it as much as White Silence. I think that uh, I liked the leaner approach, so to speak, on their earlier stuff. I, I think that they it feels a little bit slower, a little bit more mid-paced, which obviously you'd expect from a Sludge and Sonar album. For me, the biggest letdown was the runtime. Um, oh, I yeah. actually I actually really like Wavering Angel as a track, but by the time you get to Reckoning, it feels like a pretty complete album. And you know, sometimes we'll talk about this album's too long. I don't know what to cut. Definitely Wavering Angel. Like it's already you know you have two seven minute tracks. Most tracks are at least four or five minutes. So to then round out with a twelve minute track that was definitely good, but was not not essential so to speak i thought that was a little bit of a mistake or i mean if you're gonna have the 12 minute closer cut out one of the one or two of the you know the tracks in the middle um so i don't know i i wish i had more to say but i just i felt a little middled about this i'm I'm a little surprised i don't know if it's just because it's been you know 11 years since their last proper studio album but people have been freaking out about this and i do think it's very good but i'm i'm just a little I don't know, just to lift a little lukewarm. I just wish it, I wish, I, I, I wish they leaned a little bit more into the melodic sensibilities. I think over the years, as I've collected more of their albums, I think that they're really good at that part of their sound, maybe a little bit more than the metal part of their sound. Also, one little observation, I never realized how much I, I really don't, not that I hate his backing vocals, I really don't care for Nate Newton's approach to screaming. Like he he did a, it was very obvious he, um, when he was screaming and I was not always a fan of it. Sometimes it felt a little overpowering. He's a little bit monotone, and I don't know. I, I just I didn't love that inclusion all around. I think that I, I really do wish that the the heaviness came from like a metalcore point of view rather than a stoner and sludge point of view, but. I definitely want to listen to it more because I I, I love Cave In, just not not as 
enamored with it as I was hoping I would be. Yeah. All right. So I I guess I I, I should probably preface what I'm going to say by saying that uh, my experience with Caven is very minimal. Like I think I listened to Jupiter once. I think I I think I listened to White Silence once. Didn't listen to Final Transmission. Um, so you know I I don't really I'm not that well versed with the band. But um, I I guess my biggest question here is but why isn't this a Mutoid Man album? Yeah, I I think that that's my so I I talked a lot. I don't want to talk too much more. But I think yeah. that's interesting is that when I hear people you know compliment it. They're people who like they like kind of the, the genre, the Nate Newton extended cinematic universe. So like I think it makes sense they think it's so amazing. But in terms of like a cave in album, I don't know. I, I think that's an I think that's always a gamble when you bring in someone who's known for a certain sound. Well what what wait a minute, isn't isn't Brodsky part of Cave In? He is, but I I mean I See, feel I, like I, I, I thought that in I, I mean he was a big part of Mutoid Man. You know, he was like their singer. He is their singer and their lead guitarist. You know. Yeah, but I think Muto point that that's kind of his outlet. Whereas, I mean, this is just what this is just what Nate Newton does. Like, this is just his his style. So, like, you knew he was going to bring it in. Whereas, I feel like Brodsky has has shown he could be a little bit more versatile. Whereas, I don't really think we have that kind of evidence. And it's not that that's a bad thing, but. I think to your point. So, 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 who who do you think had the biggest pull on this album? Then, I think that I think that when you bring in such a prominent low end as such a, a prominent anchor, and obviously that Brodsky and, and Newton have that relationship from that specific band, I think that ultimately was the tiebreaker. And I'm sure they felt you know just trying to be a little compassionate, so to speak. I. I, I I think they probably felt a little lost. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are actually a, a few songs in this album that were written, at least in part, by by Schofield. Um, yeah, so. I, I I mean this thing. I I don't mean that to be uh, you know uh, criticizing anybody. Like you know, not meant that in like a dispassionate way. Um, just more like I listened to this and I was like in my head I'm like from everything that I know about Caven like this doesn't sound like I thought Caven would sound like and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but I mean it reminded me just so much of Mutoid Man mm-hmm. um and you know like and, and I mean mind you I I don't think that's bad like because you know when it came down to the actual music I mean it was it was pretty fun you know like a lot of like hard rock you know a lot of like it felt like it it was like kind of like always towing the line between hard rock and metal and just but always had like this edge to it you know and and just like really the whole album felt like you could you could go for a drive um which i now that i'm saying that feels a little um like a poor choice of of metaphors comparisons <laughs> given oh that's, that's okay you know, um, but I what I mean is like that there there's kind of like this cock rock kind of like swagger to uh to the album that I really enjoy and you know the production is fucking tight you know mm-hmm. like I really like I loved the way this thing sounded just like the guitars were just always on point uh you know just everything was just really really just like 
in your face and and just you know snarling and like i i like really like that um you know the the vocals were eh, probably the least um probably the i don't know like i i felt like they were probably the weakest part of like the massive performances on this album like they were just fine like they worked but like it wasn't like something i i was gonna be all about you know like i I wasn't you know rolling over about it i don't know um but yeah i mean i my, my issue yeah is is definitely that this thing is an hour and 11 minutes um that's just a lot for an album of this like sound like it's just a lot to ask of a listener and um there just wasn't it felt like there wasn't enough variety um to kind of justify that runtime either you know if if it was like you know oh like every other song was just trying something else out you know and like it felt like that there was there was kind of like this push for experimentation or what have you like i'm like i i'd be okay kind of like sitting down with this thing for more but yeah as it stood i i just yeah i it it was fine but it's just i I really don't see myself returning to it um because it's just yeah like i mean i guess similar to the first i'm just like i i could just put on a mutoid man album um and and kind of get the same experience i mean hell i i I could just put on a queens of the stone age album and and kind of get the same experience you know it's just yeah like it it's good for what it is but like you know i i think it's like it's it's faults are are just you know so glaring for me that i it, i feel like i would rather visit other like similar avenues instead of this particular avenue no i'm i'm in total agreement and um yeah i mean i definitely think just cuz of, of of how much i enjoy cave in I'll, I'll give it a little bit you know at least another another shot but yeah, I, I just really wish. I, I I just really wish that they. I don't know. Obviously, they could do whatever they want. Yeah, they their own band, but I, I just feel like they had such a, such a cool thing going. They have such a cool sound. I thought White Silence was such a great late career um, album. Came out after they, uh, I think it was after an extended hiatus, and I just am not really sure not really sure this was the the right choice so i i think especially yeah. given you know a little bit of a i'm trying to remember when final transmission came out but i feel like i don't know like like if this if this is what they're they're you know going to sound like going forward you know if nate dune's going to be the the in you know on-demand bassist i'm, I'm not sure that i'll, I'll... I mean, what i was wondering like maybe you would know more about this because I mean, the way it seemed to me was that like I, I thought Caven was finished, like as a band. Like I I thought that like Final Transmission was their final transmission. You know, I think they left it purposely ambiguous. I think now you could see Final Transmission as you know Caleb's final transmission. Okay. Um, I'm guessing now. I don't think that they were explicit on either way. Uh, I mean, I think they're writing at the time but had taken a decent um decent amount of time off you know obviously 
White Silence came out in 2011. I think there was some touring and some writing in between. I mean, usually when you're a little bit of an older, um, older band, you can, you might, you know, take a little bit more of a break in between releases, but, um, I mean, maybe they were considering that maybe they, you know, it's one of those, should we consider with them? Should we consider, you know, like, I think, I think about that with the Black Dahlia murder, like, are they gonna, mm. like, again, not to discredit anyone's contributions to, uh, how a release comes together, but I think replacing a bassist is a lot more difficult than, you know, or, you, you mean a little, it's less difficult. Yeah, it's, it's less difficult to replace a bassist than I, I mean, I always forget this. Black Time where they have nine albums, so like, he oh yeah, is, oh. You know, he's you know kind of defined, you know, defined their sound was a huge part of just them as a band for years. So yeah, I think maybe they were considering okay, like you know, do, is, is it respectful to his memory? And I think you could probably take both angles. Like he would want us to continue, or you know, it wouldn't be the same band without him. You know, without having him, obviously they they chose the. The former option but um wait they they did oh i'm sorry i was talking about okay sorry i'm not oh, talking about cave oh, is, is okay. they could you know they could say hey like you know we a you know we can't can't continue you know this is what he wants to do or they can't you know we we can't go on without him and clearly they were like well you know this is what he wants to do and, and they included a couple of the songs in this release i just I mean, it's definitely definitely not something I, I I hate. Like, I don't hate this album. Like, I don't. I don't yeah, think it's, me, it's me neither. Yeah, but I, I just I'm just disappointed. And obviously, bands are allowed to do whatever they want. And I'm glad that so many people are enjoying it. I just a lot of what I was hoping to hear and what I've come to love from Kevin just wasn't here. It wasn't performed as well as I would have liked. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm in agreement. So cool. Yeah, uh, two for two. <laughs> Which means that we are not O for two, O being synonymous with avoid. Speaking of voids, <laughs> we are talking about the latest album from Scalping, called Void. Uh, I picked this because I thought it sounded cool, and I listened you, to it and was like, "Where did you? Was this just because I wasn't it like a Bandcamp album of the day or, or album uh, of the week?" I forget or who I saw posted, but it was. Uh, I think the the vibe was that it kind of straddled the, like there were there was a band and they definitely had rock elements but it was more on the electronic spectrum. However, it was positioned. I thought it sounded interesting and it also. I, I, I just was wondering where you even found it. It was, was more my question. Yeah, I, I don't I don't remember specifically. Okay. I just think the you know, whoever posted it, that's kind of how it was positioned. Uh, I think it might have been from Bandcamp. Might have been one of uh, someone else on Facebook, one of the groups I'm in. Um, you know, regardless, whoever positioned it, they said, you know, kind of a, kind of an industrial rock with a, you know, much more, you know, much more emphasis on the electronic elements that you might expect. Um, Listen to it, thought at the very least it was in the wheelhouse of things that we both might like. And <laughs> For sure. Figured, figured we'd talk about it. Um, always bad with the EBM witch house comparisons. I think these guys are. I, I, I don't think that they sound like either of those. Genres, okay. Well, then frankly. that was a but that was that was a, a misnomer. I think I rate your music, but um, yeah, I, I I saw that I rate your music too, and I'm like, these guys do not sound like I, like EBM just is not. I I that's the last thing I think of with with these guys, but m- maybe mean, that's just me. To me, it was uh, it kind of was like Godflesh mixed with the darkest moments of 
Depeche Mode. That, yeah. That, that's kind of what it sounded I, like to me. I, I kind of like, I, I, I kind of wrote down that it, it kind of, it, it was kind of like, um, I mean, it, it, there's a lot to kind of, un, you know, to kind, to kind of decipher when it comes to like kind of the sort of the sound of this thing, because there's a lot of like industrialness to it, but there's a lot of like, almost like drum and bass kind of isms. There's a lot of acid, maybe a little bit going on with like sort of the way like the synth sort of has like that filter going on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's some noise tendencies. Then like on a track like Tether, there's like hip hop kind of going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, you know, a lot of it sounded like, um, like big beat, like, like kind of like a prodigy album Mm -hmm. almost. So like I, I, and I kind of wrote down that I got like, I got touches of like Nine Inch Nails, uh, like Dust Brothers, but also like Clint Mansell who did the, um, uh, he did the soundtrack for Requiem for a Dream and uh, Hugo Cano who's um, did the soundtrack for the anime Psychopath, which I highly recommend people watch that. But um, yeah, because it, 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 it just has like this, this like electronic vibe, but yeah, like also like it feels like it, it, it is it, it's it's equally represented in like well represented in sort of rock and electronic music and i think it can be tough to kind of you know straddle that fence so um you know yeah <laughs> this was super interesting to listen to uh i i did not expect this album to sound like it did like the way like you know you you name your band scalping and you know, you look at like the album cover for it, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a death metal album or something, or like dude, yeah. just like a metal album. And it's like it's, yeah. it's not like I thought it was like there's, there's a trend called uh, new metalcore, which oh. is, like stylized like new metal, and oh, this no. kind of gave me those vibes. And that's why I was that's part of the reason that it piqued my interest is just seeing what it was described by. I'm like this. If you told me this was like a like a volumes or an issues type band with like turntables and rapping, I'd be like, oh, okay, I, I buy that. Yeah. And then listening to it, um, I think just slightly minor critiques. I think it had a slightly slow start. It wasn't until Tether. Yeah. Like, I mean, I had it on while I was, I was at work and, uh, you know, first two songs were playing. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool in the background. And then when Tether came on, I was like, is this the same album? Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was just, it was so out of nowhere for me. Um, and I do wish there were a few. I wish, I guess there's two ways to word it. I wish there was either more of those kind of heavy moments or I wish they were a little bit, they kind of tidied up or tightened up rather the more ambient passages. I thought they were cool, but I just really, it's one of those I prefer X, not that I dislike Y. Like I just really liked when they had the heavy guitars and I, I liked when they kind of juxtaposed those two elements rather than just meandering with some electronics uh which were cool, and I, I liked. I think just if there were fewer moments, they would have been had more of an impact. They would have given a little bit more variety to the the heavier moments. But overall, I thought this was a really interesting listen. Um, pretty young yeah, no, band. I, I think this is just their second album, so I'm curious to follow them from here on out. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. I mean, like, I, I definitely have my reservations um, with parts of it, but I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. You know there was a lot to like i mean i I, i'm with you i I think that the beginning like it it, i think the first track doesn't really feel like a track it feels more like an intro even though it's just as long as the other tracks um and so like that 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 i that got me a little confused on my first listen 
like I was like, is this like one of those like 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 experimental electronic albums where like, you know, no 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 track feels like a song per se, you know, but like it was clear like you know like like once Tether hit that you were like okay like th- this is kind of what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, but yeah I I I think it was just overall super strong album you know I I think um. You know, I I loved the like the lean runtime on it. Well, I mean, like lean in comparison to every other album that we're talking about here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like it it just felt like it 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 said only what it needed to say, uh, and nothing more. I mean, I I think you could maybe argue that like the first track might be like a little extraneous, but you know, I I don't know. Like I I felt like it was it was fine if, if just like a little confusing. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really don't have a ton to add here because they, they, they're just like, it was just, it was just enjoyable. Like it really, it, it felt like um, it was, it was almost like a battles album in a way, but, but it was like if, if they went like industrial with it instead uh-huh. of like more like a, like a math rock sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if, it felt like it had like this, this, like bombastic sort of energy to it, you know, or, or like, you know, like it'd be like fat of the land. If they, you know, were playing like a rock, like playing rock music instead of like dance, you know? And that like, I don't know, there were just all these interesting touches that like really made me think about like, what the hell am I even listening to in some <laughs> ways? Because like, you know, like I, I, you know, like the the filter, like the filtered like synth lines were just like really filthy and just dirty, and I'm like, I, I love that. But then sort of the drumming on it, I'm like, okay, that's more rock. But that, you know, it, it was just like I, I love that kind of like confusion about it. You know, it, it like that was super cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was just yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, it is at 35 minutes. You know, it, it was a fun listen. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you liked it. I thought you would, and uh, yeah, definitely interested. I, I, I feel like next time we we do uh, another like album review episode, I'm just gonna have to have you like pick out like all of the albums or something, <laughs> because like it, it feels like you you always bring in like something like this that like I'm like oh hey this is exactly like you you knew exactly what I was looking for in a way, and I because I didn't even know what I was looking for, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I pride myself on that. I, I I feel like you know, if you will, when it comes to picking good music and recommending it, I'm I'm kind of like a like a machine. Yeah. Uh, speaking <laughs> of speaking of machines, and oh people, god, people who associate with them, you fucker. Uh, <laughs> Dance Fever, Florence and the Machine. Someone, uh, I'll I'll say you're you're pretty fond about. So I will let you give the little preamble. Yes. Start to kick us off. Yeah. So. Uh... I mean, this this was probably my most anticipated album of the year um, by a pretty large margin, um, because I mean I was expecting this for a couple of years now, and uh, I so the story behind it is that I I guess they were planning on uh, re- writing recording this in New York City back in March of 2020, and for obvious reasons those plans did not happen. Um, so I think if I remember right, it was recorded last year. And um, included in the production was uh, Jack Antonoff um, from Bleachers and Fun. Uh, and probably most recently, more than anything, probably best known as producing for 
Taylor Swift and uh, Lord on their latest albums. And um, so, you know, going into this, like, I, you know, I, I listened to the first two singles and uh, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I have some thoughts here. So, okay. do, do you, um, yeah, um, I, I, I guess I should probably just go through my whole experience with this thing because, um, so the first single was, uh, King, which is the opening track on the album. And that was, that, that left me honestly really disappointed. Um, like it was like my, my first listen to it, I was like, this is really weak. Like just like the whole, like, like the, the song just felt like so lifeless to me and the uh the chorus just it felt like she just kept repeating it over and over and over again and it wasn't really that great of a chorus to begin with and i mean i i think if anything like florence and the machine have like some of the best choruses like you could find normally and it was just really disappointing and so you know i was like you know maybe it'll make more sense with the rest of the album so the second single i think is heaven is here um and that was an interesting song for sure but it wasn't really much of a song like it it was like i think a little over a minute long and it just kind of ended and it didn't really have like any sort of form to it even though i i really liked the idea of the song after a couple listens to it um and then i think after that the track my love was the third single and i was like yeah this is this is fine and so you know i I was really um i was kind of dreading listening to this in a way (laughs) because you know i i have i have adored every single florence and the machine album um and, and i don't mean like just most of them i mean every single one like i think they are all extremely strong and i feel like they get more interesting as time goes on even though i have my favorites um and i and i think sort of the you know the last album highest hope was you know i I thought just a great uh example of of you know florence sort of showing some restraint in her songwriting and sort of letting that bring kind of the epicness that pervades a lot of her songs into new territories and this just felt like 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 kind of the dark side of that you know of like subduing your songwriting until it you're just suffocated by it in a way um and so you know listening to this thing for the first time around i was i really i i was really disappointed with it like i i disliked it a lot um because it just felt like there wasn't a single track that was really like fully fleshed out in a way um and and it was I, i was really bummed out by it and so i you know, I, I listened to it again, uh, I think yesterday, and, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm liking this a little more. Like, you know, having a couple days to kind of, um, you know, sort of let it kind of hang out in the back of my mind. And I, I ended up get, I, I, I had um, My Love stuck in my head since then, uh, which turns out is probably my favorite track on the entire album. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I had it on again today. And I, you know what? I, I it, It's grown on me a lot. Um I, I still have a lot of problems with it, but you know it, it's it, it's it's good. I I I think it's pretty good. Um, it, it's just I, I guess my, my my biggest problem here is that um, it feels like there's just like this lack of songwriting going on. 
Like it, it, it feels like most of the songs here don't aren't really fully formed. Like it's like there are some like nuggets of good ideas in them, and then they just kind of like fizzle out sometimes. Or you know, like Heaven Is Here is probably the biggest um, offender of that. Even though like I, I feel like if if that song was finished, like it would be like maybe the best track on the entire album because I, I just like the way like that whole thing sounds. Like it sounds like. Florence and the Machine doing like a Bacchanalia almost <laughs> like it has like the, this this kind of like um energy this kind of like group energy to it that I really like um you know but but it just as it stands like most of these tracks are just like they just feel like they they're, they're kind of aimless and they just don't really go anywhere and uh you know I I definitely enjoyed it a lot more today and I, I expect that over this year, you know, and with time, you know, like it'll just, I'll enjoy it more and more, but like, it doesn't, doesn't hide the fact that, you know, there's a lot of really weak tracks on this thing. And overall, I think this is, this is the weakest Florence album. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this, um, you know, and, and, you know, at the beginning, I wanted to point the finger at Jack Antonoff because I, I, you know, I, even on my first listen, I noticed that like, I felt like the tracks were more fully formed after the songs that he had written with Florence were over because he, he had written the, um, the first seven, I think with the exception of uh dream girl evil. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but it, but it's not that because like, I, I feel like, you know, she's always had a lot of producers and a lot of, you know, co-songwriters, you know, in the studio with her. And so I, I think it's unfair to point it at that, you know this guy you know or like you know because of this person you know <laughs> Be, because i i think there's just you know i i, I don't know like i i want to say that it's a case of too many cooks in the kitchen in a way but like it's it's not because i think there have always been a lot of cooks in the kitchen and they've they've been able to get along pretty well and it just just feels like here i don't i don't know what like i don't know if it's like because like covid fuck things up and just I don't know, like you, you don't have the same songwriting. Like maybe, maybe you spent too much time pouring over these songs. And so they, they kind of, you know, came out like kind of like almost like inbred in a way. I, I don't know. It, it, it just overall, it just felt off to me. Um, but I, I really, I'm going to shut up now. So, because I, I, I wonder what, what, what you thought about this thing? No, I, I wanted you to take the floor first, uh, you know, more, most importantly, because obviously you're a huge Florence fan and I wanted, to, wanted you to kick us off. But I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing anything because I had virtually the, the, same, um, the same thoughts, maybe from a slightly different angle. Uh, I mean, I thought overall this was... More or less what I expected, ish. You know, at least when I heard, it, I'm like, okay, this sounds like Florence. To your point, probably not her best work. I mean, I didn't think any of the songs were necessarily terrible. I just wasn't really. I thought it was fine. I think what surprised me was, I mean, tell me if this is is was an unreasonable expectation. I I was expecting some energy from an album called dance fever like yeah i i honestly and again maybe this is wrong i feel like with with pop albums you know like like taylor swift you know her 1989 was very 80s inspired uh folklore 
was an indie folk like I feel like you know not all pop albums are that you know cut and dry but a lot of times they'll you know 1999 had a little bit of at least lyrically that you could kind of see where his head was at so you know at least for the title track like I think that usually they, they kind of indicate in some way what you know what what you might expect and well I I, I guess just so Dance Fever refers to uh, Choreomania, um, which is like this sort of like this case of like people dancing and like uh, like almost like unconsciously mm. and, and not being able to stop. And like there are stories of this like throughout history of like people just like suddenly just, you know, breaking into dance for like days at a time. Uh, and it was like that 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 like so I mean, because I I I feel like the title is confusing. Like if they had just called it Choreomania, which is by the way one of the names of the fucking tracks on this thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> instead of instead of by its colloquial name, you know, I think it would have cleared a lot of things up. But I think when you say something like Dance Fever, you know, you it, like when I saw the 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 name of the album, I'm like, wait, are are we like? Are we going back to like the seven? Are we doing like a disco album? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, the the the, the title is misleading. I think, like for yeah. sure. It, but 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 I know what you mean. Like there there's there's a lack of energy. Like especially when it comes to like a track like King, where it's just like for almost the entire thing, it's just like the, this four four beat and like these eighth notes on the guitar, and it's just like uh huh, like come on, like and even like the the title track or quasi title track i guess mm-hmm. um you know it is is like you know yeah kind of lacking and i i think it's just it's very it's very strange to have a florence album that's lacking in energy um yeah and, and i think that's really what caught my attention because on first listen i had this on you know more or less in the back or at least i wasn't looking at my phone to see what you know what track was playing and as i was listening through i'm like wow this is a if they played this at a dance, I don't think people would really be jumping out of their seats. But then my love came on. I'm like, oh, yeah, because I I didn't, I didn't listen to the singles in advance. I love that song. Like it's just it, my it, love is so good. Because <laughs> I feel like, and again, I wasn't expecting this to be like a, you know, like a house album or anything. But I felt like that was exactly the kind of like higher energy, you know, danceable song that like it just it felt like Florence making a dance song, and it was really, really, really good. And then I, I checked my phone at that moment. It was one of the last songs. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so this is just not going to be a super high energy album, I guess. If you know, if we're almost yeah. done, and it's so but, yeah. But, I, but but like even the tracks that come after, like like you know, um, I I what what is it? Uh, Elvis is here, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, the, the the final track. I'm just like that. This was just like, it 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 just felt so like yeah, it, it, like inconsequential. Like I think that was the thing is is like with. You know, with Florence's earlier work, you know, even like the softer songs, like still felt like they needed to be in the album. Yeah. You know, like like High is Hope, like the um the the lead single from that, which I I can't remember now. Um. Oh God damn it! I'm gonna have to look it up because I I should know this because I it's like one of my favorite Florence songs nowadays. Um. I like it, it was very much like much much more subdued than than normal but it was still like you know a sky full of song you know it, mm. it, it still had this energy to it that that was just like gorgeous you know uh 
but yeah, there's just so much of this that was just like, uh-huh. Like, okay, so, so so we did that. You know, Choreomania had that. King, I mean, I, I just, King was just not a great track. I, I just, I still don't think it's a good track. Especially for an opener, yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I think that, that's why, I mean, I do think it's kind of silly to fixate on the, the dance aspect, but I think that's why that was the track that really kicked that off my mind as I was like, okay, so I was expecting something upbeat and this is just such a, such a bland I mean, song. To, I mean, yeah. e- even for yeah. like her normal albums, because I'm glad, really glad you brought up the, the fact that like slow doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean it's boring. I think sometimes people think slow equals boring. Like I, her music is not super raucous or like super upbeat all the time. And it's still super memorable. You know, I remember yeah. when we first we listened to lungs for an episode a while back, I was blown away at how fucking amazing that album is. And yeah, I think, I mean, again, we're talking about case studies today. King was a case study and how not to select the opening track for your album. Yeah. Like, I just, I became very apprehensive. Like, as soon as that song played, I was like, oh, what are we, what are we getting, what are we getting into? Like, well, it's just like, what's going I mean, on? There, there's like this thing in this album of like, of like song structure. Like, it, it just feels like. I don't know whether she was trying to like she and her collaborators were trying to like play around with structure uh, because I, I, I think you know previously she does keep it pretty traditional in terms of like structure but like it, like just so many of these just felt like like certain parts shouldn't have even not been there or some other parts should have been added because the song just didn't make any sense as it was or that you know, like certain parts are repeated too much. Like again, like I, I think the chorus in King is just like, like I, I don't know why it kept. Like I think there was one part where it was repeated three times in a row, and it mm-hmm. felt like it didn't, like it, it just jarred in a way. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just yeah, it, it, it was yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, you know, even like the next track, Free, was was still like, like I, I don't know, like. You know, we, we, we've talked about, like, you know, the idea of, like, Florence doing, like, a dance song or dance album. Like, that, the drum beat for that kind of reminded me of, like, a, almost like a dance song in a way. But it, it felt more like, like a herky-jerky, like, talking, like, early talking heads kind of, like, drum beat almost. Or, like, um, even, like, a post-punk sort of beat. And, and it just didn't work with it at all. Like, I don't know. They, they were just, and it just, this album was just full of these things, you know? And it just felt like it felt like most of the songs just weren't finished mm-hmm. as weird as that is. And, and I just think it's strange for, you know, this many people to be working on this album for nobody to to kind of think that, you know, and, and I don't know, it, it just the whole thing was just strange. And I mean, I, again, I, I, I enjoy it a lot more than I initially did. But I mean, I, I just like. I like instantly loved, you know, every one of her other albums. Um, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that that like accessibility is an indicator of a good album because you know I've had to, you know, I, I've had to struggle through a lot of albums that I consider my favorite now. You know, it, it's just like it, it just felt like it was being like purposefully obtuse in, in almost in a way and, and i and i just don't i don't get it i i don't know <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I think you can hear, and like I've talked before about my journey with Piron, is how, like, I didn't like Mother of Virtues at first, but I, I heard something there. And, you know, I kind of knew, well, hey, I, like, I, I want to keep listening to this because I'm not a fan right now, but I feel like that there is something that I can crack one day. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think there is something to your point that, like, when, you know, at some point it's almost like musical Stockholm Syndrome, where, like, you're almost, you know, not saying you, you did this or, like, this is, you know, something people consciously do, but just subconsciously you're just trying so hard to like something because you want to like it or, or you just, you, you it's a band you really like and then you know after a while i remember the someone wrote a review for the new review the first site i wrote for where he said that he listened to the faceless is their autotheism like it was it was at least 20 times i think it meant 30 or 40 times and then finally it clicked for him and i remember someone commented like dude you just at that point you were just <laughs> you just listened to it so much so much that you you kind of like tricked yourself yeah into liking it. i mean we've so. we've talked about this before we've yeah. definitely uh kind of went back and forth about this i i i think that you know like like for a lot of albums that i've listened to you know i have been initially very judgmental about it and it's only when i've let go of my expectations and my my judgments that you know or or like you know where i've had like time enough where my judgments have kind of fallen away a little bit just by road of time um that like i've been able to enjoy these things and sort of be able to access them on a better level um and i i guess maybe it's just kind of surprising to have to do that with a florence album um you know just i think just given her track record um but or at least my experience with her albums in the past but i i think that it's i i i think that it, it's um unfair to to kind of you know think that you know an artist will have the same album every time or that you know our experience with it will go down the same path. Um, you know, and so I, I, I think that, you know, I, I'm glad that I've had a couple listens because I definitely needed those couple listens. Um, because I, I think initially, like, I was just so, I was so mad about this thing <laughs> because I, I, I was just like, I was really like, I mean, I was, I was so like, not not worried about it but I, I was just like not looking forward to you know having the possibility of this being bad um you know and so you know i i think having that having that these couple listens really helped me kind of get a more fair look at that this thing but without like brainwashing myself for sure because i think i think you could do that to yourself but like i I don't know if I could listen to an album that many times in so short of a span (laughs) without driving myself insane. So, uh, like I, would have to be like really obsessed with something. Like I, I I could see myself listening to like one of tricks point ever's replica that many times in, in like the span of a week, but (laughs) like that is an album you actually enjoy. Well, like, yeah, like it's, I, I feel like it's one of those albums that's so like idiosyncratic that it it kind of like it it really like pulls you into doing that whereas like i i think maybe i think maybe another issue with with dance fever is that it's just so like everything else now like it it feels like it's not 
Florence in a way. Like it, it, it feels like that's the thing. It's like I really don't want to point the finger at Jack Antonoff, but like I, I, I just like I listen to a track like King, and I'm like, this just has like him written all over it to me. Like, and I mean, I, my experience with him is is minimal at best, you know. But like, just like what I've heard from like Fun and you know shit like that, and like even like Lords, you know, last two albums, I, I've just been like, I don't like, yeah, it, it it just sounds so soulless to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, just because you're you're a well known producer, you were like I I think has worked with uh, Saint Vincent and uh taylor swift is actually like i I was not interested in taylor swift's music at all and then when she started working with jack i was like hey this this is something um and i think mass seduction was a really good uh really good departure into true pop territory for saint vincent um but just because it works just because one collaboration worked doesn't mean that it's going to work across the the boards so maybe they're well, I, I, out of curiosity was mass seduction like, like did he have any songwriting credits on it or was it just producing oh I, I i think typically when he's involved uh he he's kind of he's a i don't know like if if he gets the full bore you know co-writer credit but he's very involved yeah uh, be, or, because I mean, like I said, he he's listed as a producer on the album, but he's also listed as a songwriter for like, you know, a good third of the album at least. Oh yeah, just quickly look at Mass Seduction. He co-wrote one, two, three, four, five, five of the thirteen songs. So not okay, not a majority, but still, that's a you know, that's a decent decent chunk yeah. of the album. Um, but yeah, so I think in, uh, I definitely enjoyed it it not as much i enjoyed it for the same reasons i enjoy florence's other albums but i just didn't enjoy it as much um, mm. don't don't think it was bad but um yeah i would have loved uh, a greater even if it felt a little samey just a greater share of songs that sounded like my love i, I would have loved if it was like an all-around i think that would be interesting to hear her truly go all out and try to make uh, you know, not like a synth pop album, but like a much, a much more danceable album. I think that would have been really cool. Um, she, you know, she, what... she has her moments. I mean, you know, if you ever listen to the song Spectrum yeah, sure. um, off of Ceremonials, that that's a great like little dance number. And she, uh, Calvin Harris remixed it. Um, and people really like that remix. I I fucking hate that remix to be totally honest with you, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's very like that remix is very dancey. But yeah, I mean, see, but my, my thing is that like I, I would like to hear this album with the songs like fleshed out because I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think they all have like interesting ideas in them, but I, I just felt like there was always like something structural or just like some line that just didn't really hit me well. And like, you know, like the lyrics were just, it felt like they, they ranged the gamut from just incredibly poetic, you know, and moving like they have been before for me with, with her stuff to just really like, way too bland in, in just just telling it like it is you know w- without any sort of thought given to the poetry in language um yeah it was just such a mixed bag I mean I, I, that being said I mean if we're even doing albums albums of the year this year I mean I, I I'm guessing it'll probably be on mine but I mean that, that that's like just, just because I, I feel like 
I've just not had a good new music experience this year <laughs> in a way. So, but, um, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, speaking of old music that we both appreciate, why don't we, why don't we turn to our albums of the week? Yeah. Why don't you, uh, why don't you go first, my friend? Yeah, I have enjoyed and owned this artist's debut for a while. It's considered a classic in its respective genre, but uh, I think it's one of those cases where the following few albums really helped refine not only their sound, but also the sound of the aforementioned genre. And I picked up this album and really enjoyed it. Uh, And I am... I'm glad to own it. It is uh, Bloodfire Death by Bathory. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, really enjoyed their debut and saw this kind of while I was doing a, a, a Bulma's run online. And uh, I listened to, I, th- I don't think I listened to this one before. I listened to The Return, which came out right after their self titled, you know, their debut. Uh, Under the Sign of the Black Mark is a very well regarded um, uh, installment. Um, I think the reason I stayed away is because this is credited as being very influential in the development of Viking metal, which is something that <laughs> I think when, when done well, it's like, like I like some of Monomarth, but sometimes when it's not done well, it's a little, yeah, it can be a little campy, just like any kind of folk metal. Um, other than some, you know, obviously, you know, the intro, which is, is like an instrumental, uh, Odin's ride over Nordland. Okay. I get that. Um, and then the final track is, is it's 10, 10 and a half minutes. It has some some themes that speak to a Viking metal um, Viking metal palette. I didn't really hear it. I mean, I think maybe it, it's one of the, like, you know, you got to start slow or you got to start somewhere. I can understand how, like, the aesthetic of it, the lyrics, you know, just kind of the, the vibe was influ- influential to Viking metal. But overall, this just felt like a much more refined version of the kind of blackened thrash mix that defined their earlier output. Um, this was it, really, you could hear the progression from just kind of quote unquote extreme metal or just like like raw, almost like raw speed metal to something that more resembled what you would hear, what you would expect to hear from a black metal project. Um, definitely, definitely think that this is, is a a nice progression from like Venom, so to speak. I mean, I think their earlier album is much closer to Venom. Not that I have anything against Venom, but um, yeah, it was just it was really cool to hear how things um, how they built on their sound. Like it, it really, um, yeah, just a really fun listen. I, I I love the the raw like OG Black and Thrash, where it literally was just like, hey, we are making thrash metal, but it so happens to be. The, the pupil stage of, of black metal and it is definitely worth listening to uh, i want to pick up their other two albums that you know came out around the same time i think after a while they really genuinely did um dive more and more into viking metal which is i don't know i think i think i might leave that leave that <laughs> be. yeah that's right uh hammerheart which came out right after it's uh, viking metal and epic doom which you know that's not really, not really in the wheelhouse of what I enjoy about, um, <laughs> enjoy yeah. about their music. But yeah, 
Um, I also I always get it's I think it's just it's just one dude. Yeah, um, I, I'm yeah, pretty sure it is. Yeah, I think it, I think the Cordthorn. Um, that, that's so interesting that he just kind of switched teams so suddenly because I think his first four albums sound again. I haven't listened to Hammerheart, but it's it's a very clear line of delineation between you know thrash metal, black metal, and then like like a little footnote about Viking metal, and then suddenly the next album it's like nope, we're doing it. We're we're, I mean, we're we're putting on our horn helmets and having having a field day. So. That whole like Viking, I don't know, like because I, I just think of Amonomarth as just a melodic death metal band that just happens to just talk about Norse myths a lot. Like yeah, I, yeah, it, it is interesting how I like in the same way of like a you know corporate clanny or swashbuckle where like that is very okay. You could hear the folky influence of what they're trying to do in the music. I agree that um, I think it's just maybe like the the camp like sometimes it's a little bit um, it's hard to separate the aesthetic from the music where mm-hmm. like it's like I can, I can picture them like this song's called Odin's Rise or something like that. They're, <laughs> just, they're just like really pronouncing it. It's like okay. That's yeah. Yeah. I, I... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it. Yeah, I I think after a while, like those 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 kind of, you know, the, it it can get a little heavy handed. Yeah. It, it it is a pretty interesting relationship though between sort of Norse myth, like Norse mythology, and like you know, like neo, like like Norse paganism, uh, and like black metal. Uh, you know, for 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 better or worse, it's it's an interesting relationship, uh, for sure. Just to kind of see how it influenced these people, um, in a way, because I, I think you know, like in, um, oh, what is it? Uh, I'm turning around away from the microphone for that. Um, what was that? What was that book about black metal bands? That uh, um, is it? I Lords can't... of Chaos or, or no, yeah, that was the movie, right? Yeah, was it, well, it was. It was based off the book, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah because they they kind of talked about that a little bit of just like. You know, I I think this idea of like being in a country that had its own religion, you know, that kind of had its own, you know, pagan tradition, only to have it be like all but snuffed out by Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was just, yeah, it, it's just an interesting thing to look into. But anyway, um, I do need to listen to Bathory at some point. I I know I listened to one of the ones that you had. Um, but it's been yeah, years and years. The, the self-titled. And just one quick footnote is, is obviously, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but RIP Trevor Sternad from Black Dahlia Murder. And I think on that note, um, I think one of the reasons I loved him and what he brought to the Black Dahlia Murder so much is that he was just like a, a goofy dude, like a normal goofy dude who loved metal. But yeah. Was like normal and like didn't try to be, didn't try to be the prototypical metal guy. And, like, there's definitely a time and place for that when it's done well. It's like, okay, this is funny and entertaining. But I kind of liked that he wasn't, like, he didn't try to be, like, the, you know, I'm, I'm, I have, there is no jean jacket left. It's all patches. And, like, I have, <laughs> I have my spike bands. And, like, I'm going to, like, I'm going to, yeah. you know, drink goat's I, blood on stage. I mean, all, all you have to do is just watch the uh, the music video for Statutory Ape. Um, yeah, exactly. Or, 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 or just consider that there's a track named Statutory Ape. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, to, just to get an idea of that humor. Um, my album of the week is is not humorous, um, but it is infamous. 
because that's the name of it. It's the infamous by Mob Deep. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, and, and I did a little you there, you know. <laughs> Uh, did a little segue. Yeah, I, I so I, I had this on or uh, in the car last week, and uh, I mean, it was, yeah, it's, it's just, I, I love this thing anyway, but, you know, just having it on for the first time in a while was, was really nice. You know, I, I love some boom bap, especially like 90s boom bap. There's just nothing quite like it. Like it just, it it's just like the right itch. Like it's, it's the right, it's the right scratch for that itch in a way. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I just like I, I love how there's like that you know, like it, it doesn't sound like a Wu Tang album, you know, but it has similar elements to it. And you know, sort of the way like, you know, certain piano segments are like sampled at certain times and sort of the way you have like these drum hits happen in certain ways that, you know, add this really cool like rhythmic feel that you're kind of always waiting for. Um and just on top of that, like just the rapping, the, the flows are just great. The uh, the skits are pretty minimal. Um, I mean, you know, all, all things considered, um, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's definitely not, um, you know, uh, three feet high and rising, <laughs> you know, levels of skits. So, um, yeah, it, it's just, just a great album to listen to, listen to for sure. So, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I I don't own that one. It's what's on my list, but. Yeah, when I was really getting into that era of hip hop and hip hop in general, that was one of the albums I, I checked out and, um, yeah, I mean, I just think you're totally right that there are some styles where it's just it's it's an instantly recognizable. It just transports you to that period of sound, mm-hmm. that period of time, and uh, yeah, '90s '90s New York or you know, boom bap, just oh, I mean, just guess. East Coast or, or West Coast, like every day. I mean, I, I I will die on that hill. <laughs> no, for sure. Like I, I actually started looking into more um, like southern hip hop albums. You know, obviously my album of the week last week was uh, um, uh, Mystic uh, Styles by yeah, Three Six Mafia. Three Six Mafia. Yeah, and yeah, just the the laid back flows and the more you know trunk knocking beats. Give me, give me New York any day. I just feel like there's just so much more energy. There's just so much more oomph. There's, just, there's just, it's more memorable. And just like when, you, like, see, th- this is when, this is where onomatopoeia gets fun because I love, I love the genre boom bap. Just like when you, when you feel like a good snapping, <laughs> a good snapping beat, like yeah. great snare hit, like oh, like give, give me that, give me that all day every day. <laughs> All right. Well, I I think we'll, we're gonna we're gonna call it a day, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks as all always for listening, and uh, bye bye. Bye.